0: You are listening to the Ingredients for Success podcast, where you can consume dietary supplement industry best practices, trends, recent news, and other insights provided through interviews and discussions with members of the Stratum team and seasoned industry execs. Welcome back to the Ingredients for Success Podcast. I'm Andrew Rice.
1: And I'm Jackie Rizzo.
0: If you enjoy the podcast today, be sure to go to iTunes and YouTube and rate the show as well as subscribe. On today's show, we have Afif Ganoum, who is the CEO and co-founder of Biome. Afif is a biotech lawyer and he is and was a contributor to Forbes uh, as well as has spent a career taking scientific innovations and turning them into innovative companies, products, and testing services. So I'm pretty stoked to talk to Afif today. I am you? as well. Yeah? yeah. Okay.
1: But before we get started, can I ask something? Yeah. Okay. Please do. Okay. So I'm super curious about the artwork behind you. Um, from my understanding, it has to do with like your family adventures. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. So a buddy of mine is just this awesome artist, and he did this all with a big pen. So... It's, uh, the idea was that's my dad on this side. Oh, I, I keep messing up in the camera uh, on that side, and then that's me. And I'm and it's my son and our office manager in a guacamole eating contest. So uh, the idea is, you know, we always try and keep it light, and you know, no matter what, just have a good time. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's a pretty amazing, talented guy, you know.
1: I would say so if that's with a big pen. Now, is that in your house or is it in the office? This is in the office. In the office, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have one in your house, or did I read that somewhere?
2: Yeah, so I have a uh, mural. So he's done a bunch of, of drawings for me. He did one of our whole family going to space. Another one of my son and I hunting sea monsters. So you know, my, my idea is basically over. You know, the, the kids being little, anything they think would be awesome that. You know, once a year, I get my buddy Jimbo, who's the artist to bring, you know, one of these things to life so that down the road, they'll have a whole bunch of these Um, and he's really just an amazing artist.
0: So Afif, tell us a little bit about, so being a contributor for Forbes, there was a few, uh, there was a few of your articles. We did thoroughly enjoy your articles. We are big fans Mm -hmm. of technical writing or, or just writing in general with a little bit of humor because at the end of the day who was wow well, we all need some humor that's right we all just need mm-hmm. a little bit of humor so we really enjoyed uh your articles uh there was one there was one article that you were talking um about an agency pitching you and just go i i come from the agency world too so i like i just <laughs> i can put myself in that situation with you as as a as a customer potential potential um, and there was this part in here. It said they were super aggressive telling me that the other PR firms that I don't know you're likely talking to, am I right? Were losers. Cause they're like, I feel like that happens so much. They just like dog the competition. Like as soon as, before they say anything and typically though, that turns me off. I'm like, eh, okay. You've already dogged. So, and then, uh, and then kill if I have to in order to get your story blank everywhere i'm just like that that had to have been a pretty interesting meeting
2: yeah like the you know and again you you come out of the agency world the problem is it's there's it's very difficult to know how good agencies are off of case studies and you know i I, more and more i I say this like you're not going to know until you're in the mix so for me I I always hate that when someone's, like, super aggressive. I'm all for, like, you know, putting yourself out there and saying we can do a great job, but, like, there's a way to do it, you know? So, I don't know, on the agency side anymore, I'm very careful that, you know, I'm willing to give a lot of people a try, but I've got to have an easy out, you know, because otherwise it gets too tricky.
0: Well, you get, like you know, at the beginning of those, it's like every relationship, right? You, you at the beginning of this relationship, you really don't know where it's going. You're hopeful, right? You hope it's gonna go well, and you really hope that all those acronyms and all the things that they are talking and saying are gonna actually come through, right? Mm -hmm. And not just come through, because I think that there's still half of the agencies out there that are, this sounds terrible, but collecting a check, right? It's about the money, not near as much about the results for their customers. I could go on and on about this forever, but you're right. Like, I, I I so see that with these with the agencies and just like you, you don't know what you're gonna get when you first when you start first start with an agency. So it's super smart to, to you know, do some sort of short retainer or or short burst of work so they can prove themselves. Yeah. Look, PR wise,
2: I've hired everyone from like Loading Madison's Avenue firms to you know, sort of the hot wellness firms in LA. My dad had a best-selling book. We had a specific PR firm for them. And, you know, kind of what I've found with PR firms is they all have maybe like three to six hot contacts. Like they do have good relationships at at a bunch of publications. But beyond that, they're cold reaching out like you would be. So for me, I've had the best results when, I'm dealing with a PR firm that actually has a ton of hustle. And they just kind of figure out, like, we had one PR firm. We actually still work with Blaze PR. They they were really trying to get us some tech crunch, really talking about our microbiome data. And this one reporter was kind of blowing them off. And he ended up, the, the PR firm ended up sending the reporter, like, two dozen frozen, you know, Disney frozen themed, uh, flowers just like over the top cheesy and said, I know this is over the top, but just give me 10 minutes. Right. And, you know, it kind of broke through the ice and I was like, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what it takes. Like someone who's willing to take it, you know, the next step as opposed to, yeah, I sent a bunch of emails, nobody got much response, you know? So.
0: Yeah. Going that extra mile. I you know, it's, and I think too, when you get in those, like your, your gut feeling on that meeting we're just talking about, probably was like, oh man, I'm not really sure about these guys. And so I think so much of it too, like is like in life too, when you start these business relationships, it's about personality. Like I pretty much know, okay, I'm going to be able to have coffee with that guy, or I'm not going to be able to sit in the same coffee shop as that person, right? Like, so the same thing goes in these meetings. It's just like, okay, well, you know, this is going to work out. And you're probably gonna be pretty close to right on whatever that assumption is, so. I think we all, at our ages, we're still very youthful. We're very young. Right, very young. Uh, you know, I still think, we, we probably know, you know, who, who we can jive with and who we can't maybe. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely, I would call that wisdom. So, Afif, in one of your articles you talked about, um, you were going to, I think it was Blaze that you were flying out to, and you had just your carry-on. And during that trip, you saw a unicorn and you were like that's the mascot can you tell me a little bit more about that like is it still in existence didn't you have to like take it back on the plane like carry it on with you and it's not like a little unicorn head right it's oh massive.
0: okay i thought i was gonna have to go tell my daughter that i was wrong unicorns are real so this was not a real unicorn
1: no No, did I say that? No, no. So, but it was a big unicorn head. Can you tell us just a little bit about why did you decide that this unicorn is going to be the mascot, or did you just need like a little bit of fun after that visit?
2: Yeah. yeah. So, Blaze is located in uh, basically downtown Santa Monica. So they have all sorts of like you know tourist shops and just kind of you know urban outfitter type places. And I saw this full unicorn mascot outfit and. I don't know, I think it was, like, it had a clearance sign on it or something, so I was like, you know, I'll get it. But I hadn't really thought through how to get it back. So, yeah, I, I had to carry this, like, full mascot head under my arm. Like, it was, a, it was a whole thing. But, yeah, we still have it. My kids, you know, still have it on. We have a whole collection of, like, mascot heads. Just kind of, kind of like, a funny family thing to do. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, like, one of those things, like, you know, my wife is, like, what are you doing, you know? But... Uh, it, it, it made the trip back.
1: I, I love that. And did you Facetime? Am I remembering this correct from the article? You Facetimed your kid, but your son was little.
2: Yeah, right? he, yeah, he was I only like two or three at the time, and he was totally baffled by what was going on. So I think in the article I even put a picture of him at the end uh, with it on. Yeah, it's uh, that was fun. Forbes, you know, Forbes was when I approached on my business I said, listen, you know, it's. Real science, and where you know, I'll kind of give your readers a front row to like what it takes to actually get something like this off the ground. And I think I wrote a dozen articles, uh you know, for them. And you know, it it was a big effort. Like every one of those articles, I want to say was a couple thousand words. And uh you know, it, but you know, literally just like this, like people to this day read those, you know, and it really kind of gives a, a flavor of what kind of goes in into it. You know, working with your dad, like making the slogs like i don't know if you read the article about going on spirit airlines like it's just when you're trying to get it done you just you just figure it out you know in fact my favorite uh article i wrote was the day after the because we we started making the product in 2016 and i was flying down to georgia the day after the election 2016 and it was such a crazy night that uh just on a whim i was flying out with my dad and i bought everyone on the plane uh a drink and it was it was just one of those moments like i I literally still have notes from people who were like oh you know thanks for the sentiment so it was fun you know and then we went down met with this manufacturer in georgia still you know one of the you know manufacturers we work with and and it's just one of those it it was fun to have a record of of that journey you know
1: Mm Yeah, that is great. Now, this is the trip that you went on to, like, start the influencer program. Isn't this kind of what sparked that?
2: Yeah, so the influencer programs, we do a lot with influencers, and it sort of took a couple of waves. At first, we were, you know, trying to work with agencies, trying to, like, you know, find one influencer that had uh, relationships with a bunch of others. And what we ended up finding was that we had the most success when I had a couple of people in the office that they just started making laundry lists of people on Instagram and they would just reach out. And, uh, what we found was like, it wasn't always the bigger, the audience, the better the outcome. Sometimes there was no correlation at all. So what we started reaching out to people, five, 10,000 followers. And, you know, it was pretty simple. We reach out Instagram, you know, Hey, you know, love your page we have all these microbiome based products, a lot of science, you know, can we send you some samples and we'd send, and we would do this like hundreds and hundreds of people a week, right? And it just became math where we knew, you know, X percent would, you know, say, yeah, we'd love to get samples of that, you know, X percent would actually post something about the samples of that X percent would would sign up as an ambassador. And over that we built up uh, an ambassador program of thousands of people. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, okay, well, how do you know if they're going to make you money, right? And that's kind of missing the point, right? Because if you try and do it and you think, okay, if every one of these people that I send stuff to, I got to see how much they get in sales. And like, we, we will give them uh, a discount code so that if, if they sell something, you know, they'll actually get commission. So they are like incentivized to actually sell things. But what we found was that the least, the, almost the people we wouldn't expect would really do much had a really engaged uh, audience who really trusted them and would buy. And ones that we thought, oh, this is a no-brainer. you are going to sell a ton of product. They, they wouldn't do anything because it turns out they're hawking tons and tons of products. It's very clear they're just very promotional. So we ended up, you know, we have one ambassador where when we first started with her, she maybe generated a couple hundred in sales, and again, we give fifteen percent commission, right? So you can do the math. We've cut her checks in a single month over thirty thousand dollars, and it, it did not start out that way. And I, I, we started, you know, it was over a couple of years where just super enthusiastic, you know, and she just her audience really trusted her, and at the same time, you know, just by coincidence, we caught her as her wave of like audience was growing. And, you know, she's a super loyal part of, you know, our clan where, you know, she knows we, we were not just talking to her cause she had a big audience at the time. Now all sorts of brands trying and talk to her and she knows they only want to deal with her cause she's established now. But, you know, we would have totally missed her if it wasn't for just treating every one of these people exactly the same. Because, you know, I view it that, listen, at the worst, we're getting a person to try the product for themselves. You know the best. They're actually generating some sales, but we also get tons and tons of UGC, like user-generated content, where people are saying how much they love the product, if they think it tastes good. You know, all sorts of uh, valuable content that we can repurpose. And some of our best-performing ads are these ambassadors that maybe they don't actually sell a lot of product, but they clearly love the product. So yeah, it's 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 a lot. There's no magic. Um, you know, there's no silver bullet for for building it. It's just, it's a pure equation. I always tell people like, you have to be sending out hundreds of these things and it takes a while, but it will pay off.
1: With your background being, you know, as a biotech lawyer, how do you monitor what they say on social media? Because I would think that would be a little bit of a Mm -hmm. regulatory issue or it could be. How do
2: you all deal with that so we every uh person we call them ambassadors everybody every person who signs up as an ambassador has to sign an agreement we lay out specifically what mm. they can and cannot say we they have to include uh you know hashtags that they're uh, or, or mentioned that they're sponsored it's considered a sponsored or post or an advertisement We, you know, literally lay out, you can talk about the product like this, you cannot talk about the product like this, because what uh, the FTC, uh, and FDA as well, but this is really an FTC regulatory issue, you're responsible for what your ambassadors say, right? And, um, you know, especially when you're dealing with hundreds and hundreds of people, like you can try your best, but, you know, sometimes people will say stuff and you can ask them to bring it down, and, and you know you, you only have so much control. So a lot of times, what it's coming down to is, are you in good faith doing things to uh, limit that, right? Because you know even the regular even the regulators are, are people too, right? So they they you know if it passes sniff test, that, listen, this is a company; they're not, you know this is a good actor, they're, they're trying to put in proper uh, controls. And if someone says something and it sort of slips through a crack, well, okay, correct it. But, you know, the, that, that's not malicious, right? As opposed to, like, you know, everybody's kind of seeing companies out there where people are going nuts, like there's some wild things, there's really no controls. Yeah. If the regulators come talk to you then, and it's like, oh, well, I, I didn't tell them to say that. Like that that's where you're not right. going to get you know, a good, a good dialogue. So yeah, you're hundred percent right. It's, it's, that's why I like building an influencer slash ambassador program. It's a lot of work, but, um, you know, it, it really can pay off if you get it going well. Mm-hmm.
0: So if he, there was a few things that you had mentioned there, um, when you were talking about the ambassador and influencer program that you have built up. So I think like some key takeaways I, I heard were just like, I, and I think we, we've experienced this here at Stratum, like we have to do more volume, right? Mm-hmm. So like, you, you know, taking, you know, a couple at a time and, you know, onesies and twosies and like, yeah, it works, but man, it's going to be so slow. It is is it mm-hmm. it is so slow. And then so I think like volume, and yes, that means a lot more work, uh, especially on the front end, but I, I do feel like how that, I could see how that would totally pay off. The other things I heard were loyalty, right? Mm -hmm. Trust and and love the product. So I think from both ends, Mm -hmm. the ambassadors, I mean, tell me what you think about this, but from both ends, the ambassadors as well as the end customers have to have, they have to have that loyalty, loyalty to you, Mm -hmm. loyalty to their consumer and the consumer then has to feel that loyalty from both them and the brand that they are Mm -hmm. pitching. Because like you said, you know, if it's a, if it's an ambassador or an influencer and they're just, you know, they're, they're just pitching everybody. People know, know that they just, they can see through that. And, and so, um, you know, to really grab the consumer loyalty. So anyway, I think loyalty and trust and then loving, loving the product at the end of the day, you know, we, Mm -hmm. I just read something else again yesterday about just products in general. It's just like, yeah, you can do everything in the world. And you could have the best marketing and the greatest this and the greatest that, but if at the end of the day, your product is ter- like flavorless or tastes like whatever, or does not work then whatever. So they got to love, the, love the product. Yeah. That's
2: table stakes. I think a lot of times people forget, you know, cause I do a ton of digital marketing and, you know, I'm in these, you know, groups of just other e-commerce entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, once every probably month someone will gut check the group and be like, listen, you're not selling digital marketing digital marketing is a tool to sell your products if your products are junk it doesn't matter there's no sort of uh hack or trick or like technique or tactic that's going to overcome the fact that you have a junky product you know and, and it's the same uh like you were saying i listen to a ton of podcasts you can tell when a host is doing like a read advertisement if they're just sort of picking up something and they're like that's why I really recommend... And it's like, this is just... And then you, you know others where like, you know, sometimes I'll go off script and I, I, was, I was talking about, I listened to this comedian, his uh, podcast, and he was, he was pitching butcher Box. And in the middle of it, you know, they're saying, he was saying, the deal was something like, you know, anybody who uses my code will get a three pound of ground beef with every order for life. And he literally caught himself something it's actually a really good deal. I don't even know how they're doing that. You know, you, you can genuinely tell he thought it was a great deal, right? So that's a lot more authentic. Thanks. It's exactly the same with influencers like Masters. Like, we've done everything. We've been, you know, we've done big articles with, uh, you know, we've done everything from like literally NPR National 30 minute conversation to Goop doing a couple big articles on us to influencers. You know, the most resonating ones are the ones where the audience can genuinely tell the person uses the product, right? right. Like, yeah. like they, they, they actually like it, you know? They, they're seeing these people and, and they're oftentimes truly living what they're talking about. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and, and sometimes like everybody has this picture of sort of like the person, you know, a woman in like a Lululemon model is going to be like the ideal influencer for the, this type of stuff. We've had actually some of the most successful people that they're trying to live a healthier lifestyle they're trying to get in shape they're trying to eat be better and that's sort of their message on social media yeah. and their audience really trust them you know what I mean? because they're like figuring it out along the way with their audience and that yeah. resonates a lot more than someone who seems to be like unattainably you know fit or like yeah. you know just clearly never eats unreal thing. yeah it's not real it's not it's not it's not relatable you know mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah no it's so true it's so true like um, you know, nobody, nobody starts super fit, nobody, right? And so we all know that like this is the journey that people are on. And I think more and more people are drawn to that now as we've become um, as a society more, not just accepting like we want that. We want real, right? We, mm-hmm. we grew up on reality TV and like real it, we want real. And we so, do.
1: Yeah, we do. It reminds me it kind of goes back to the Dove campaign. What you're mm. saying i feel like that was kind of the start or into we don't need the unrealistic you know expectation here but we need the real and right. that becomes beauty and that becomes right. what is more attractive yeah And so i appreciate that you saying that especially about influencers
2: yeah well, even like our ads our best performing ads are people who picked up their iphone and shot a really honest review and you're catching their eyes with like, just tastes really good you know what i mean like we have a super greens product super reds products that genuinely tastes really good and people you can you can legitimately tell they think it tastes good that's a big pain point for people with a lot of these super superfood powders but they you know they know it's good for them but they think it tastes bad right so if you're able to catch that like spark that's that's better than any slick video or ad you know so i think that's something that surprises a lot of people in e-commerce is that the, the more lo-fi videos that, and content which is real actually performs better because people trust that it's legitimate. It's not just a company putting a slick ad. So even like the Dove thing, that was like the early, early uh, starting point of the authenticity, but those ladies were still models. You know, they were still like a professionally shot ad. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, you're starting to see it where it's, you know, I launched a product eight years ago in the oral care space. We were in 27,000 stores. We were in national TV ads, hundred thousand dollar production, all this stuff, right? The agencies we used then don't even exist, then, you know what I mean? Because that's not what resonates with consumers anymore. It's, it's really this user generated content. It's you know quick eye catch. You know, it's, it's really fascinating. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's really the agencies that understand maybe you know, you know the the user generated generated content is is more powerful than the content they're going to create. So they embody that as an agency and they build their strategy on that Mm -hmm. and all their customers strategy upon that foundation as well. So yeah, it's, it's crazy to see crazy to see that. And it's like, you look at like, like what's real and be like 2020 has been every, you know, everybody's saying it's a dumpster fire. It was a dumpster fire. There was good parts of it just like every year or whatever, but it's been tough for a lot of people out there. And so, you know, and I think, the, the whole video, I wish I could remember the guy's name. We're on the longboard with the ocean spray, right? Oh. Have you seen this, right? And like you, everybody, everybody has the same reaction because it's so real. This guy is so real. I think that is exactly why he just captivated everybody. He's just real. He's just chilling, longboard, yeah, 2020, whatever, but he's got his ocean spray and he's just got, you know, what was Fleetwood Mac uh playing in the background, it was the music, it was everything. It was just like he was a real dude. Like how many times you see, you know, stereotypically see somebody on a longboard and drinking an ocean spray and listening to Fleetwood Mac. Like this is like but people needed that. People right now needed something to to lift their spirits.
2: Well and what was smart was Ocean Spray like lean into it. Fleetwood Mac leaned into it. Like they now I don't know if you guys heard about the Sherwin Williams uh, thing about a week or two ago, they had a young worker, like early 20s, that was making TikTok videos. Uh, he was a store employee, and he was making these TikTok videos about how to do different paint projects with Sherwin-Williams paint. He's getting millions and millions of views. They fired him They said, "You know, you were using uh, store paint to make these videos," and and everybody in the industry is like, "What are you doing? Like, you cannot pay." For that type of engagement and then every other big paint company in america offered him a job and he ended up going with like a sort of a smaller one down in florida but it was like you're going to see these companies that are dinosaurs that just do not understand the way things are going and then you're going to see ones that lean into it you know and so smaller companies like us like yeah listen it's part of it is what works and you got to rely on performance marketing and part of it is we're not buried in a 80 person marketing organization where there's 90 levels of approvals and all these things. So it's going to be interesting to see how it really shakes out. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. Agreed.
1: Mm-hmm. that's true. You know, it kind of reminds me of have you seen um, The New Yorker, their cover, their recent cover? It's a lady just sitting there and she's in Zoom and everything is perfect. But it's saying something like, we don't have to be perfect. It's 2020. And all around her is just a filthy mess and her cat's in a oh, yes. litter box. Have you seen that cover? <laughs> That kind of just reminds me of what we're talking about here just about just be real and that to me was so relatable Mm. you know i just saw it in passing and i thought that's what people need they need to know what is real and they need to have the story behind it Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so good so good well afif um you know we didn't talk a lot about biome and your products and your company um we'll we're gonna do this again i'm just glad we were able to have this ambassador influencer conversation yes. with you you've got yes. a lot of experience in it mm-hmm. you've done it uh you know quite very frequently well. and yes. very well so um it was great visiting with you uh about that um mm-hmm. but i think we're gonna to have to wrap up here but uh yeah thanks for coming on the show well thanks That's for fun. having me i really appreciate it yeah
1: cool fun. Mm-hmm. thanks a <music>